0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm so happy that we're going to start off with a very beautiful scripture. But just before I do that, if you've been coming for some time, and maybe even you know off and on, or new, and you have not uh, connected with a squad, uh, I would ask that you would send an email or go to the connect desk and send an email on a request to know about squads um, and also what squads are going on. Squads are basically us coming together and being the church, you know, loving God with all our heart individually and loving each other. And uh, we believe just like in the Book of Acts, where it says they devoted themselves to the word, and to each other, and to fellowship, and to prayer. It's the one way to love one another, uh, live life together. It's the way God has designed it, and uh, so um, just want to encourage you in that, because sometimes, you know, you start going to church, and and maybe you don't know this, and then you sort of feel like alienated, disconnected, or or like, you know, a lack of closeness, and um, it's it's been great. It's been almost, uh, I think, a year already, and uh being in a squad has been such a gift. It's another means of the way God actually does things through the natural of getting together something supernatural. So I wanna encourage you if you are meeting to continue to and also to connect if you haven't connected already. But uh, let us pray. Father, uh, thank you for this morning. This uh, season is, uh, seems to be uh, all kinds of range of emotions and things that go on and can be very busy and distracting And and even very hard. Um, But I pray this morning that there would be good news and that we'd hear from you um, and that you would do what I cannot and what you promised to do because we know you're faithful in Jesus' name. We're going to start off with this scripture. We're in the season of Advent and. we're gonna start off coming from this place of John 3, 16, and I think it's such a beautiful scripture to start us off with, and it says, for God so loved the world, and I don't have this on, 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 up there on the slide, but for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is a season of when we give gifts, right? A Christmas time, these gifts. The greatest gift that God could ever give would be his son and he gives his son that we would have eternal life and that is such good news so the gift of God the father is Jesus and that's what we're coming about for the next four Sundays and through this gift we believe comes love and joy and peace and hope this Sunday today we will be speaking on love And the following will be joy, then peace, and at the end of the month, it'll be about hope, hope for this next year and what God has to come. Now, Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event, as you can see up there. Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. This Advent is about the arrival of the Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. During this time of Christmas, we are celebrating this arrival through the birth of Christ. We're celebrating this Advent, this moment, this event in time where Jesus Christ is born. Now, babies were born every day back in Jesus' time. Babies are born every day today. So what is the big deal about this baby named Jesus being born? We find the first announcement of this, and what makes it so significant, is about 4,000 years before, in the book of Genesis, chapter three, verse 15. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or your apps, or you can just listen. Before we know it, we'll get to some scriptures on the screen. Genesis three fifteen, and I will read it slowly. I will put enmity between you and the woman, this is God speaking, and between you, your offspring, and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. What is the context of this Genesis-speaking God to humanity that he just first created was that Adam and Eve had just sinned and fallen, and he's addressing the enemy that tempted them to do so, to take of the tree. Now they're in a place of where they are separated and dead to God spiritually, And now their understanding and their relationship with God has been broken. And he's addressing it with a a preface of the gospel that her seed, in other words, her her, um, offspring at some point or another would crush the serpent's head. The serpent, which is Satan, the enemy, will strike him. So the crushing will not go without a beating. And we see that with Jesus being beat before he was nailed to a cross. So who is this serpent crusher? It is Jesus. Now in order for this to come true over a span of 4,200, I mean 4,024 years more or less, Jesus had to be related to Eve. Can you imagine that? How in the world could you control this relation between Eve and Jesus? We see through the Old Testament from the beginning of time where there has always been this desire to kill and destroy this seed that would be connected to Eve, even to this day. And we see that. And we see the genealogy in the book of Matthew at the beginning. And sometimes we wonder, why is this big, long genealogy in the Bible? Like why? It's to show the connection, to show the bloodline that goes from Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, uh, to David, all the way to Jesus. Because God is a God of promises. God is a God of his word, and he says something, he's going to do it. So we see this account first also announced in the, in, the, in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. He should call his name Emmanuel. Matthew uh, chapter 1, if you could turn there, it's a, lo- a bit of a long verse. I want to read it. So we have Isaiah, which is way before Jesus' time, one of God's prophets prophesying that there'll be a virgin and she will be, uh, uh, be um, conceived and they will uh, have a child and his name shall be Emmanuel. Now let's see what this means. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So this isn't any ordinary birth or any ordinary conception. It was through the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So Joseph said, I'm not going to make you look like you got pregnant, being out and about, and with someone else. So I'm going to go ahead and marry you privately. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord. Actually, he was going to divorce her privately. He was already betrothed. He was already in a covenant with her. But as he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared again, God coming once again. Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we begin to see what is this advent about. All this took place to fulfill that what the Lord has spoken by the prophets. Every scripture Every word that's ever been given to man that's holy from the beginning till now is always speaking about this and pointing towards this. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And here's where we find what it means, which means God with us. God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him, and he took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to the Son, and they called his name Jesus. So we can see that this is not any ordinary birth, but is actually God, the creator of the universe, with us. The Advent is all about God coming to us. How many of you really need for God to come to you? What are the circumstances in life right now where you need God to come to you? Can you see that this world needs for God to come to us? It was no different then and it's no different now. Here's a quote from a guy by the name of Adam Ramsey that puts it into words and I think it's really cool. It says, the king of heaven exchanges his throne for a cradle, The Almighty swaddling himself with vulnerability. The creator entered into his own creation. The author put himself on the page. The infinite became an infant. The giver became the gift. And what was this gift? It was his son. His son Jesus is the gift. The arrival of Jesus ends up becoming the greatest gift that the father could ever give, which is his son. Why is it the greatest gift? Because in Genesis says that the first human sin and that sin brought brokenness and that brokenness affected everyone and every part of life. Our relationships are broken, our political system's broken, our earth is broken, nature is broken. Health is broken. Everything has been affected by this. So up until this point, they had been looking for the one who would save them. See, I believe that back then it was just as bad. It was just as hard. And they had gone from promise after promise after promise that there would be this Emmanuel, this God with us, this Savior to come save us over and over again. They had been through wars. They had been through slavery. They had been through, through miracles. They even tried worshiping a golden calf. Because all of us are trying in some ways, somehow trying to make things right. I said this the other night to somebody. What's the difference between someone on the corner maybe trying to sell drugs or, 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 or their salves from the person that's in a business trying to build it up and be successful, from the pastor that's there praying and seeking God to bring the word, the gospel to the people, all of them are the same. There's nothing difference between any one of them because they're all trying to make life right. They're all trying to fix what is broken. All of them are. Because there is a need that's in us down deep where we were made with this, I need life right. Because we were made out of that. God made us right in the beginning. That's his word. That's the law. That's what he declares. This is what is right. And all of us are trying to make life right. It's very similar to today than what we see. The only thing that could make things right was a perfect payment for the wrong. What brought this payment was the love of God. It is not only what brought the payment but it's about who brought the payment. It's about this person. It's not that just God died and he brought us this righteous no, it's about this person. Titus 2:11 says for grace for the grace for grace of God has appeared. How can something appear? It's a person. His arrival, his salvation, his advent appears. And it offers salvation to all of us. Grace is a person. God is a person. Comes in a person. In the person of Jesus. The gift of his son is love. God's love. 1 John 4.10 says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Right away it starts with God. What is this love? This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. See, the penalty for the sin was death. That penalty was a payment of a perfect life lived and a death from a perfect individual, a death of God. Nothing else could ever atone or pay what was required. Nothing could ever satisfy God's righteous anger for our sins. Nothing could. Nothing could ever satisfy and make right what is so broken in us in this world. Nothing could. Then the perfect atonement, and that's what this love is, is the atoning sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. The greatest need that mankind has, my greatest need that I have, is this love of an atoning, all-satisfying payment, this death that says, paid in full, paid in full, forgiven, 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 paid in full, accepted, justified, right, alive, forever and ever. Ever. Now, I'm going to ask you for this next part of the sermon to participate with me. You know, I always have like a curveball somewhere or another. I don't know where they come from. I don't do them on purpose, I promise, but there's these things that come. So, I'm going to ask a question and then you're going to answer with the scripture. How does that sound? So, put my first one up there. Hopefully it says, "Where does the love? Where does love come from?" And everybody all together if we have it up, go ahead and read the scripture. Love comes from God. It's his. I love that Jay said that the other night in a meeting. It's his. It's not mine. In order for us to operate in it, it it comes from him. He gives it, right? He is it. He sustains it. We cannot manufacture it. The only way to get it is to receive it. That's a big difference than the way the world tells you. The world in our culture tells you, you've got to do something. You've got to be something. You've got to achieve something. You've got to make something right. You've got to pay for something in order for you to have this. And God says, the only way you can have this love is you must receive it. Because why? It says, dear friends, let us love another, for love comes from God. So if it comes from him, the only way to get it is to receive it. Next one is, who loves first? And all together. (laughs) Now that was my note underneath that. I copied a little too much there. As you can see, I'm imperfect. We love because he first loved us. See, without first believing that he first loves us, it's impossible to love God. It's impossible to love others. Any other love other than love from God is very selfish and tainted. But love that comes out of us that's pure comes from knowing and believing that we are loved first. Who loves first, church? Amen. Who loves first? Religion will say to you, we have to do something in order for us to be loved by God. But God says, I love you first. I love you first. It is impossible to love if you believe that he is against you. It is impossible for you to love and live this life and cope with what's going on if you think that he's holding something against you, that he's hurt with you, that he has, he's at odd with you. So he addresses this right up front by saying when it comes to love, first I loved you first. The requirement to love God is that you believe that he loves you first. How long will God love me? How long will God love me? There are many things that will not last. Our health won't last, our relationships won't last. Things that we build won't last. There's many things that won't last. The confidence that we have in things will not last. But what will last forever and how long will God love me? He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love even your short life on this earth will not last and he will love you past that and into everlasting i have drawn you with an unfailing kindness unfailing kindness now what is his love like zephaniah 3:17 I don't know who's this for, Uh, hopefully it's for me, but it is a rejoicing and singing kind of love. Many times we we can think and believe that it's just love that I have to love you. You know, you're my kid, I got to love you. I got to put up with you. I got to be embarrassed by what you've done. I've got to, you know, pay for this again for you. That's not God's love. His love is singing. I don't know about you, but it's very hard to sing and not smile at the same time. Hmm? It's a singing and rejoicing, like a dancing. You can't rejoice and not be happy about it. You can't rejoice and not be excited about it. But our God is a God that sings and rejoices over us day and night. He has a song, and your name's in it, and he says it over and over and over In the midst of your trial, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your loneliness and depression and anxiety and worry, in the midst of your control, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of your guilt, he's there singing over and over your name and singing a declared to all the heavens and all the earth, these are my children, and he's rejoicing over and over again. And that's the only thing that makes sense. That's the only thing that makes sense in this world. That's the only thing that can get us through is this advent, this arrival, this gift of God, his son, which is this love and this love that sings over us over and over again. I need to hear this. I know I'm speaking to you, but I'm speaking to myself today. This week was one of my hardest weeks in a long, long time. I I almost didn't want to even preach because there's just so much going on. But guess what I get to study and preach about the love of God. And as I'm studying about the love of God, the love of God is speaking to me, giving me hope, giving me joy, giving me something that is not from me, not something that I have to do, not something I have to manufacture, but it's something that all is because he cares for us and he loves us. And it's always all the time. What can take us away from this love? Nothing shall take us away, t- take away this love. Nothing. You cannot even take this love away. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We need this. You know, there are times that things are going to come into our life that are very, very hurtful and Painful. But if this is true, God is still working it out, right? He works out all the things, not so it feels good. No, the bad and the good. He's the only one for our good, and he gives how he gives his resent is this relentless love that says not even an angel from heaven. It's pretty powerful. Not even a demon from hell. Or wherever they're from. That's where they're going. Neither the present nor the future, what's going to happen, nor any powers. Neither heights, how high is this in front of you, or anything that is in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 1.18 says, for the power of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. All God's power is found in the gospel, Jesus Christ. Nothing could ever change that. Nothing shall take it away, uh, us away from God's love. What was our condition when God demonstrated his love? Hold it now. I think this might be a way where we're going to get separate from God's love here. What was our condition when God separa- When I'm sorry, when condition when God demonstrated His love. Who else would you want to live for? Who else would you want to follow? Who else would you want to believe in? What else would you want to do with your life than someone that says, when you're a sinner, when you're my enemy, when, when, when you were in the midst of your sin, when you didn't believe, I died for you. Huh? Christ died for us. There's no sin that he would not forgive. There's nothing you do that would keep you separated from him because that's when he died for you. That's when he saved you. That's when he made you alive again. Christ died when we were yet sinners. How much more now that we are the beloved sons and daughters of God? Is there anyone in this room that understands? Is there anyone in this room that is excited to hear this news? This is good news. This advent, this birth of Jesus is good news this morning. It is good news. Yes. What does God's love do to our identity? Sort of gave that one away. Change it completely. First John 3, 1. He lavishes this love. He lavishes this love so we will be called the children of God. Anyone can call you anything in this world, but the only thing you need to believe and receive and fixate and focus on and rest in and hope in is that you're a child of God. There's a scripture that says we are his children in his hands and no one can take us out. We are God's children children if you're God's children God's children not just anybody's children but God's children you show up to whatever situation in this world or this life and you're God's child I don't know about you but if you're my child and someone comes against you they're gonna have a problem but God is much bigger Way more bigger. You're talking God's child. Child that He loves. Child that He cherishes. A child that He cares for. A child that He dies and lays down His life for. You're God's child. We are able and free to live out of our identity of being God's child. We have a freedom to now live out of this identity. This identity as a child of God causes us to love him and hate our sin, hate wrongdoing. Causes us to love him even more and love others more. Why? Because we're God's children. That isn't something that we can do in ourselves. That's something that is in us. It's a person, Jesus, that causes this. This is our, our promise from the Father that he works in us and through us, those good works, right, for him. What can God's love do for us? Doesn't it sound right? Many times we're up in a situation where we think, You know, maybe we have done something wrong. Maybe we haven't done anything wrong. Maybe we just start thinking about all the things we've done wrong because we think there's some kind of punishment coming. God has no punishment for us. He has no punishment for us. And I need to hear that every day all the time, that he has no punishment. and Why? Because he has perfect love. Who's the perfect love? Jesus. The person of Jesus has already paid for all our punishment, the punishment was placed on him. So what can God's love do for us? It can take away our fear, take away our punishment. How are we to live our life? Hold on, don't ask that question. Usually, this is where the list comes out. You guys ready for the list? You got the paper, got the pen? How are we to live our life? Check this out, God is so good. First John four sixteen. So here's the how. And so we know and rely on the love of God. We rely on the love of God. It's a reliance on God's love. It's not five steps. It's not stop doing this, start doing that. See, the doing comes because we're loved. We love, therefore we do. It causes a desire for doing. It creates a desire for doing because it's God's working and creating in us. It's the fruit, fruit of the spirit, fruit of what God's working in us. How do we do it? We're all looking for the how. How do I get through this situation? How do I handle this? How do I do this? We must rely on God's love and it's not on the love of God but just but the love that God has for us it's not just on love or God's love but the love that he has for you and the love that he has for me God is love and whoever lives in this love lives in God and God in them it's a promise he not just has love for us but he lives in us Advent, the arrival of a noble person, the arrival of God the Father, the gift of his son Jesus that brought us love, God's love. Matthew chapter 2, we find some responses to this love, and I'll conclude pretty quickly here. So if the worship, well, worship team give me about two minutes, maybe three minutes. Um, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of Herod the king, both Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it arose, or it rose, and have come to worship him. There's the first response from the, from the uh, wise men. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people. So we got the scribes also. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to them behold, uh, to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the, the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw that star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered gifts to him, gold and frankincense. And being warned in the dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, rise and take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. There's your second response. So we have a response from the Pharisees that pretty much ignored him and still do to this day. We have the second response from Herod that wanted to destroy him. And we have the third response from the wise men that worshiped him. We can only have the first two responses on our own in of ourselves to ignore him or to destroy him away from Christ. In order for us to respond with worship, and that's what we've been talking about this whole time, not about worship, but about God's love to respond to God's love and worship, God has to work that in us. The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless he draws them to him. It says any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. It says that God creates a new heart with new desires to worship. And that's what God did with the wise men. He created this, I want to worship so how will you respond today? How will we respond to God? How will we respond to this good news? How will we respond to the love of God today? If you have a desire to worship, maybe it's your first time ever to desire to worship and to believe this love and receive this love. I want you to know that is the love of God in you, giving you a new heart, and that is God's spirit. It's his promise, it's written throughout the scriptures. We're about to take the Lord's Supper, and the Lord's Supper is something physical and visible, manifestation, or a picture you can say, not a manifestation, but a picture of God's love. God taking his body, which is the representation of that bread, that bread represents his body being broken and given for us, being that atonement, that sacrifice, him loving us first. And if you believe that he died for you, we invite you to come, not alone his body, but also his blood being poured out. This blood now covers us from all of God's wrath and God's anger that is against sin, and it's a righteous anger. It's a just anger. He allows us to have this acceptance and love. If that's you, we want you to invite you to come and take. If you, if you have not believed or received this or responded to this, we ask you not to take of the, the supper. Because God says that his judgment, you can receive God's judgment for that. Because it's something that is so precious and so beautiful. It's one thing that God warns us in but I want to invite you to respond by worshiping him. I want to to invite you to receiving God's love for you, that it's all his doing of his self. And as we started, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift of God, the Father, is Jesus will you receive him and keep him and let him have his advent in your life every day especially through this season God bless you church let's worship and let us respond